Alright folks, welcome back into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. I am your host, as always, Jared Mueller. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope your Monday of draft week went well. I'm recording this Monday night. Going into Tuesday of draft week and it is a privilege and an honor that this year what has been my sports Christmas as a professional I will get to cover that so I will be up in Cleveland for that uh, Thursday and Friday it looks like Saturday they're actually not going to have the media room open which is an interesting decision nonetheless we will be up there Fred and I will be taking care of everything from the media room Uh, Brad will be on the ground here there and everywhere doing that social media thing connecting to the fans showing you what's going on for those of you who cannot watch uh, or cannot be there live and are just watching and want to see what that experience is like uh brad will take care of you in that way and then we have jake and steve and 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 the rest of the crew barry and lane and whoever as well as us jumping on here and there but jake and steven really will be leading the way when it comes to our youtube uh coverage our youtube show uh, both on thursday and friday so i hope you're excited i hope you're looking forward to it it's a really interesting uh thing for the cleveland browns right the the draft isn't the thing you're actually excited about you're excited about the season that is coming up but the draft is a part of the process versus being excited about the draft right there that is a significant change for the browns and for browns fans is that the draft itself is not the super bowl the super bowl is the super bowl and so there is a little less excitement about the draft Even though it's in Cleveland, and even though the Browns are good, there's a little less excitement. Obviously, some of that comes to having the 26th pick instead of a top 10 pick. Lots of things that play into it. But in the end, and uh, my wife and I are currently watching Believeland, the 30 for 30, you know, in the end, we're used to this kind of hype and circumstance around things like the draft. Uh, But now the goals are different, right? The goals are what the goals were back at one point in time, right? With Jim Brown and Paul Brown and Bernie Kosar and Brian Brennan and Webster Slaughter and Ozzie Newsom and, and Hanford Dixon and Felix Wright and, I mean, Bob Golick. There was, you know, so many different players from from those eras, right? And then obviously all the way back to Jim Brown. Um, just a lot to look forward to, and I'm just kind of rambling through all of that because we just started watching it, uh, taking some breaks. Uh, I'm going to watch it over a few different days, but I was going to talk pure, purely and simply just about the wide receiver position and talking myself out of drafting a wide receiver with a 26 overall pick. But then something came across from three days ago. So I got to be really clear. This is from three days ago. And this is from Sportsline. Sportsline is a CBS Sports uh it's the betting orientation or the betting side of CBS Sports. Um, and obviously, as you know, the Orange and Brown Report, we're a part of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. So they're a part of our team, right? So I do have to make sure we're, you know. <clears throat> but looking at these betting lines, I have a, a really interesting thing. So after 10,000 simulations, and I'm not going to pretend to know how they do the simulations, but after 10,000 simulations, Sportsline, a part of CBS Sports, part of who we are, has the Cleveland Browns with a 2.8% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Now, it's important to really talk about what we're saying. 2.8 chance of winning the Super Bowl. Not making the Super Bowl, not making a championship game, AFC or NFC, winning the Super Bowl. The Cleveland Browns are at 28 
I'll let that sit in for just a second. And your second is up. So the reality is, is the fact that the Browns are on this list is new. The fact that the Browns are on this list is exciting, right? The fact that the Browns are, I'm trying to do it very quickly, number 11 on the list is still exciting, right? So 2.8 doesn't sound like a lot, and it's not, but the Cleveland Browns are on the list. They've made the graphic, folks. This isn't the graphic of all the failed quarterbacks. This isn't the graphic of the drive, the fumble, the shot, um, the the move, you know, the decision, the rain delay. It's not that graphic, folks. It is graphic of chances to win the Super Bowl, and the Cleveland Browns are on it, but only a 2.8% chance. Let me walk you through kind of who they have. So 14.5, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Bucks, 13.5, uh, 9.9 and 9.5, the Bills and the Ravens. And then in the eights, it's the Rams and the Green Bay Packers. 7.1, Indianapolis Colts. 5.2, New Orleans Saints. 3.8, the Seattle Seahawks. 3.5, the Tennessee Titans. And then 2.8, the Cleveland Browns. After that, you're looking at the Niners at 2.0, Steelers at 1.8, Miami at 1.7, New England at 1.6, so on and so forth. So I think what is really interesting, three of the top four teams are AFC teams. And then you add in the Colts and the Titans above the Browns. You have five teams in the top 10 that are AFC, and you have five teams in the top 10 that are the NFC. But having the Titans over the Browns is very interesting. Having the Colts significantly over the Browns is very, very interesting. Everything else kind of makes sense to me. Like, there's a lot of things here. The Ravens, listen, they've been very good. They've won a lot of games. That makes sense to give them a high percentage. The Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen's coming to his own, uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, everything that they have going on there, that makes a lot of sense. Chiefs, Bucks, we all know that one. Rams, Packers, NFC, those are two teams with uh, plans to do more. Matthew Stafford now in, with the Rams, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, maybe they'll get him a weapon. Saints, without Drew Brees being this high is very interesting. Seattle, as they continue, whatever version of a transition they're going through at 3.8. No big deal there. It really is Tennessee, New Orleans, and Indianapolis that really stick out to me. Cleveland Browns at 2.8 feels low. I don't know what kind of simulations they are doing, but it feels low for your Cleveland Browns and their chances to win the Super Bowl. The only thought I would have had is if if it was because of the AFC and the quality of the Chiefs, Bills, and Ravens, but that still doesn't explain the Titans and Colts being rated above them, especially the Colts, all the way up there at 7.1. But I just wanted to take a few moments before we talk wide receiver to talk about the fact that the Cleveland Browns are on the list. They've made the graphic, folks. 2.8. Not bad. It's not enough. It's not right. And in the end, it doesn't matter what anybody predicts. It matters do the Cleveland Browns make it to the AFC Championship game, win the AFC Championship game, make it to the Super Bowl, and win the Super Bowl. At that point, I don't care if people give them a had gave them .001 chance before the season started. I'm just excited because I think that is a possibility for your Cleveland Browns in 2021, 2022, and 2023. So before I go and talk wide receiver in the NFL draft, let's pause for a word from our sponsors. So as many of you have listened to this podcast, and I'm pretty confident it's a title of one, uh, I have been pushing the wide receiver 
agenda, possibility, just trying to open our minds to the possibility of the Browns drafting a wide receiver at 26 or in a trade-up, right? At one point in time when I had a list of players I would trade up for, this was uh, pre-continuing the work, right? The reality is is everybody who has time and is able to needs to continue the work, uh, and their their thoughts should change as they watch more and more film, you know, read more and more, all of that kind of stuff. And so at one point in time, the players that I was willing to trade up for for the Cleveland Browns, specifically moving up maybe in the top 15 uh, were all wide receivers or wide receiver like when that's Kyle Pitts that's Jalen Waddle and that's Devonta Smith now if you listen to our last podcast talking about the possible trade-up places and teams that could be likely trade-up partners for the Browns we talked a little bit about some of those players now things have changed a little bit J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, you know, those two cornerbacks have kind of risen up. There's an article hopefully coming out in the next couple days from the OBR as the roundtable as we looked at, you know, what some of those options would look like, uh, especially and then kind of phrased it around the Browns having the number one overall pick and what that could look like and all that jazz. But I've been kind of pushing that agenda, that idea that a wide receiver makes a lot of sense here. And I talked about it for a variety of reasons, including planning a year ahead, Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury, OBJ and Jarvis Landry's contracts, uh, versatility, all of that kind of stuff, right? So I've been pushing that idea of a wide receiver. I'm just right now trying to... uh, trying to continue that process, right? Again, a lot of what you hear on these podcasts from me, and today's might be a little shorter, but is is what I call thought exercises or working through things. Because that's what, as humans, we do the best when we really work through it. We're able to, we don't have an agenda and we're trying to figure something out, but we continue to work through it. So at one point in time, I was trying to convince you guys, or at least try to help you understand why a wide receiver would make sense at 26. There's also a reason I would think JOK, Jeremiah Owosa-Kormoa, would make sense at 26, right? There's things that make sense, but now as I'm continuing just the process and I'm getting ready uh, to get myself all the way up to Cleveland, now I have one thing, one thing that's holding me back, right? So even Andrew Barry's recent press conference and Kevin Stefanski a little bit, but definitely Barry talked about that the NFL draft is about the future, right? It's it's not about right now. It's about the future. It's about planning ahead, building ahead, all of that kind of stuff. That actually falls in line with wide receiver at 26 or even a trade-up, right? Planning ahead, looking ahead, everything that I've said to you guys. But then I started asking this question, right? And there's a variety of reasons to ask this question. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, talking about value and linebacker, there's a reason to ask this question. And the question is very simple what does the team value? That seems overly simplified, right? But if I'm looking at the positions or the or the depth chart or the rooms, right? So many of the, uh, many teams are set up in rooms, right? So you have the offensive line room, the wide receiver room, the tight end room, the running back room, the quarterback room, all that stuff, right? That's because they're working together. They're learning the same things. And obviously there's some crossover, tight end, wide receiver, whatever, whatever. But if we think of rooms, right, and if we just focus on the offensive side of the ball for a second, if we just focus on the offensive side of the ball for a second, let's think about what Kevin Stefanski, so in that way, because it is his offense, but Andrew Barry kind of alongside that, let's see what we think, and we don't know, but let's see what we think 
Andrew Barry via Kevin Stefanski values on the offensive side of the ball. When we think about rooms, the number one room is very simple. We know it in the in the guidelines or the guardrails. Um, Wreck this league. Seth did a great job of of kind of fancying that up with a PDF. Um, so you can go to wreckthisleague.com. He's got that up uh, for you, uh, something I asked him to do. So we had a prettier version of the Browns guardrail. But we know that based on the guardrails and based on just common sense, quarterback is number one, right? Very, very simple. The quarterback is the number one piece of any offense. But especially, you know, obviously with Kevin Stefanski, ball handling, accuracy, all the good things that come along with the quarterback. No one can argue that quarterback is the number one room on the offensive side of the ball. Here's where we get into arguments pretty quickly. But I would say, at least with the signing of Jack Conklin, the drafting of Jedrick Wills, the drafting of Nick Harris, um, you know, just all of those kind of things that we can say that the offensive line is number two. Right now, we're not breaking down left tackle, right tackle, left guard, right guard, center. We're not doing that. Talking just about rooms. Quarterback is number one. Offensive line is number two. So let's continue the things where we're starting to argue because we only have a, f- a few things left. Right? Just just a few things, a few rooms left, right? What's left? So we got quarterback, we got offensive line, so we know what's left. Tight end, wide receiver, running back. All right, the skill position players. Now, for John Dorsey and other NFL GMs or talent evaluators, this is easy. It's wide receiver and then one or the other, right? But I don't know if that's accurate for Kevin Stefanski. We see that with Austin Hooper signing, Harrison Bryant being drafted. And they're just bringing in Richard Higgins again for a year, JoJo Natson for a year, Kaderil Hodge. So far, and again, some of that is because Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry take up so much cap space, right? But so far, they haven't made decisions to invest in wide receiver. And even when we look at positional usage, well, Kevin Stefanski is running 12 quite often, right? So again, personnel, lingo, and if I mess this up, I feel like an idiot because I think about it randomly. Like, I'm going to get these all messed up because sometimes I get, not dyslexic in my head, but I overthink and then... whatever, I overthink, right? So 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. Some of that, by the way, was just me making sure I thought it out in my head again. One running back, two tight ends. 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. And then you just assume the wide receiver number out of that, right? So one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. One running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Well, the Browns run a lot of 12 personnel. Two wide receivers, two tight ends, one running back. So tells me that Kevin Stefanski may, may value quality tight ends. Remember the Browns kept David Njoku. They did not have to pick up that $5 million contract for his fifth year. They didn't have to do that. They kept David Njoku despite signing Austin Hooper. Obviously, they had trade offers that weren't very good, but... They could have traded him and saved that money. Instead, they've kept him, at least until now. So signed Austin Hooper, kept David Njoku, drafted Harrison Bryant. I'm going to be very blunt with y'all. I think tight end, not wide receiver, is number three for Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. That leads us to number four. We all 
well, sorry, we don't all believe. It's very clear that running back is important, but much like the Denver Broncos, Kevin Savansky and Andrew Barry hope that they're able to churn out 1,000-yard rushers in a zone-blocking scheme. That is something they are hoping for. That doesn't mean they're not going to spend money. They're not. That doesn't mean they're not going to spend assets there, but it seems relatively clear that it's likely that wide receiver is more important than running back. So if we're going in the order I just went with, number one is quarterback, number two is offensive line, number three is tight end, number four is wide receiver, and number five is running back, well, now I have a little bit, I have a little bit of hesitation because the fourth most important room on the offense is going to get the 26th overall pick. Can you see my hesitation? Can you understand where all of a sudden I'm like, ah, or, uh, right? Because then if we go on the other side of the ball real quickly, and we'll talk more in detail here, it's very possible cornerback is the most important room, followed by edge, defensive end or defensive line, however, then safety, then linebacker, right? So that's how we'd break that down a little bit. So if they have the option between their fourth most important position on offense, again, I'm just using that. You could tell me and find something where it's number two, be in front of offensive line, in front of tight end. I just don't believe it yet, but I'm willing to change. I'm always willing to change. But if number four room or or position versus number one on defense, right? Number four offense, number one defense. If cornerback is number one, which I do think they value coverage a little bit more than than pressure. Well, if they have Greg Newsome and Rashad Bateman and their grades are somewhere similar, well, inside of grades, then you also have to grade the value of your position. And I don't know when you combine offense and defense together where these values play out, but I can darn sure tell you there's no way that number four on offense is near as important as maybe number one on defense. It's just not the way that's going to work, right? That's just pure numbers. The offense isn't going to be the most important four positions and then cornerback. So it has me pausing. Now, this is where we go back and forth. Again, thought exercises. It's good to process this all out to be able to talk back and forth, whether it's at the water cooler that doesn't really exist anymore in 2021 or with family or on our forums at theobr.com. You should do that, by the way. Um, Whether it's on our YouTube channel, while I'm recording this right now, um, Jake is going to be up. um, I forget who he's going to have on tonight. Somebody else awesome because he always has somebody awesome on. uh, I think it's TA, C-L-E-T-A. I think TA is on tonight, uh, so you should go back and rewatch that because that's happening now while I'm recording for your Tuesday morning podcast, right? But to, to have that and be able to talk through, to have that intelligence, to be ready to talk through it, you got to be able to process that. So again, if wide receiver is number four on offense and cornerback's number one on defense, and again, there's assumptions there. Maybe I'm wrong, but if that's all true, how do you draft a wide receiver? On the other side... Quarterback's taken care of. Offensive line is basically taken care of with some pretty impressive depth, especially, you know, even if Wyatt Teller goes away next year, and even if J.C. Treader goes away next year, you know, do they do they feel good with Forbes and, and Nick Harris, right? Kind of churning that over a little bit. Maybe, but quarterback's taken care of. Offensive line is taken care of. Tight end, 
with Austin Hooper and David Njoku and Harrison Bryant, that's kind of taken care of. Wide receiver, right? Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, injuries, contract. Rashard Higgins, fine. He's a fine three or four, right? And then running backs taken care of. So on the offensive side of the ball, while depth is always really important, there's literally one left. There's one position, basically, to spend resources on on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, there's multiple, right? You could bring in another safety that could do a variety of different things, either safety that's kind of a linebacker or a safety that's kind of a corner. Uh, that's Hafanga is the safety that's kind of a linebacker. Uh, Javon Holland is kind of that safety that's a slot corner kind of guy. Obviously, cornerback, we, we just talked about more edge, more defensive tackle, um, or even obviously more linebacker, JOK, Javon Collins, Jamin Davis, whatever it is. There's lots of areas to address on that side of the ball that there's a, there's maybe need and depth and all that. On the offensive side of the ball, yes, you can always have more weapons. Yes, you always want more players. But the offensive line is pretty stacked. Like, I don't think there's room for a player. I could be wrong, and obviously you always want to upgrade, but I don't think there's room for a player at a high level. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're looking ahead and they really are looking at a center or a guard to replace those guys in the inside. Maybe. Tight end, even if Njoku's gone, Hooper and Harrison Bryant are are hopefully two quality starters. Running back, Hunt and Chubb, you're good. Obviously, free agency, all that stuff come is coming up. So I don't know. Again, thought exercise. When you look at wide receiver, is it possible that they could it could be the fourth most valuable position on the offense and yet still invest a high pick in? versus looking on the defensive side of the ball cornerback uh, might be one defensive end might be two or defensive line might be two then the safety room and then linebackers last you can even split that to edge and interior defensive linemen a little bit and kind of rearrange those a little bit and interior defensive line is kind of the second to last right ahead of linebacker we can do a lot of different things but if that's true can the Browns, do the Browns really value a cornerback over a wide receiver? We don't know. But I think it'll be a really interesting draft. I think we continue to try to learn about Andrew Berry, learn about the Cleveland Browns, and we will get it figured out in maybe five to ten years. But isn't that awesome? Really the logical thought that it's very possible that Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski, and company will be in Cleveland running things for the Cleveland Browns for the next five to ten years, and that does not sound like a crazy person talking. I might be, but it doesn't sound like a crazy person talking. So, something to be excited about, something to look forward to. Uh, 2.8, I think the Browns have a higher should have a higher chance to win the Super Bowl, 2.8. Wide receiver, pick 26, trade up. Kind of talking myself out of it a little bit. I still get it. Still makes sense to me. Still really like Rashad Bateman. Make sure you check out my piece on Bateman versus Allen Robinson coming out in the draft when they were prospects and what those two players, their similarities, their differences. It was a fun little comparison piece. Again, check out everything at the OBR.com, at the OBR on Twitter, our YouTube channel, my podcast, Jake's podcast, our Facebook page. We are everywhere and everywhere. And then when we're not, we're there too, right? So 
all over the place for you getting ready for the NFL draft coming up on Thursday in Cleveland. I hope you are all well. I hope if you're in the area and it's safe for you to do so, that you come out and experience Cleveland in a new way. I hope you uh, visit some of the great businesses, the food, uh, the merchandise. I'm confident there's going to be a lot of a lot of t-shirt things, all right? Like I can already uh, see some kind of Cleveland. You feel my draft? You know, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of those shirts. So make sure you support our local t-shirt economy, which seems to be the backbone at some points in time. But eat good food, drink good drink, enjoy each other's company as safely as you can. And as always, please take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.